peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. This is Brooke. Softleet's in-house registered dietitian nutritionist. And today, all the way from the West Coast, we are joined by George. Who does multiple things in the company besides writing programming. I just want to state that because I've now learned to value myself more than just a programmer. You do a lot more than just programming, <laughs> but you definitely are the mastermind behind the physical training programs. So. I can't take all the credit. We got Mr. Uh, Billy, Billy. <laughs> but no, um, I'm glad to be back. It's been a couple months since I've been in the office. Yeah, it was November. I feel like last time November we checked in, right? November was last. Yeah, right before th- Christmas time period. I came in December time period. I think it was the holiday chaos. Holiday chaos had a big move to Utah. Everyone who does follow me on social media um, sees that I have moved to Salt Lake City and having a blast out in the mountains and with all my new friends um, out there. So it's been a blast. Uh, but what I do want to bring up real quick is if you request to talk. Customer Service Chronicles. Customer Service Chronicles. This goes for number fucking, I don't even know what number. But if you request to have information for a specific team or selection, and you need direction, and we offer up our time to that email, because we do everyone, we help athletes all over. Every email gets answered. Every email does get answered, that's correct. We have a very good customer service team that makes sure if we're not on it, the whips being fucking lashed and making it happen. <laughs> but understand, guys, that we we are busy too, just like everyone else. And our time is very, very um, valuable to us with what we do. And if you do request to have a conversation with us and we put the ball in your court, take accountability for it. If you do not make that phone call or meet that time. Unless you want to go ahead and sit there and pay me $60, $70 an hour for me to go ahead and provide you a service and call you, then we can do that. We're actually thinking about creating a toll-free line that has my cell phone number on it that you can go ahead and call because majority of individuals know that I do answer back and a lot of individuals have my cell phone number and do ask questions that way. This can only happen if there's a cheesy sex line operator intro. (sighs) That was Nick. That was Nick's idea, and that it's brilliant. Nick's. It is actually brilliant, and I think I'd rather have Doug being the voice for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to have a pick of different individual toll-free numbers from Softly that you get to to conversate with. Oh, that's amazing. There are certain boundaries that you cannot cross. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to open up with that because we had an incident today that. It, like I usually don't get angry many time, much anymore. I'm pretty sure Savannah would be like, shut the fuck up. You get angry all the time. <laughs> maybe I do, maybe I don't. But it was one thing that I was a little heated about and I didn't let myself be emotionally driven by it. I responded back in a very professional way and we ended up seeing that, hey, putting the ego to a side and responding in a very professional and manner to a certain situation had the right response back. And that's it. We handled the business, whatever else. Yeah, I think we both, um, well, really anyone here, you and I drive a lot of the back end of making the decisions for programming and nutrition. So we have a lot of customer forward facing roles and we take pride in the fact that we always want to be available 
If people have questions about the programming or nutrition or exercise, we encourage you to email us at coaches at softly.com. And we want people to reach out, but also remember we're humans and we take weekends off and we have lives and families and things that we want to do. So it always helps if the respectful communication goes both ways. You know, the word ambitious comes to mind. I have learned to utilize my hard work and efforts that allow me to be creative and to promote some kind of value to the company instead of trying to be overambitious and just create not value for the company. Yeah, because sometimes when you try too hard, this is, a, this is like a life lesson. If you pour everything into this one facet of your life of work, others are going to start lacking. You're not going to be showing up your best. So it's all about balance. We preach it to everyone that listens. We live it. So again, like you said, we're human. I think we've all come through different types of, uh, I call it life cycles in our life that we've gone through, which kind of opens the door to what we're going to talk about today. If everyone's been following us since we started the performance podcast, and I haven't mentioned before, I'm going to school for sports psychology to get my bachelor's in science in it. I did say science and how much I don't like science. I do like science because there is truth to it. If we can go ahead and value it in a certain way that allows us to see it in a real world, in a real life situation. And I think that's the word right there, right? Is a real life situation or a sentence, however you want to look at it, is how do we apply these research methods, whatever scientific studies that come out into a real life situation? Because most of the time when we do look at research methods, they are in a very controlled manner, Mm -hmm. right? Depending on what they are and not get too deep down the hole because we have a podcast for that coming up this week, which I'm super excited about. Me too. But I'm going to school right now. I've gotten into a lot of child development stuff um, from the phases of child development, from being at birth all the way through adolescence. And what it opened the doors for me to really understand was that our foundation is through our how our upbringing was as an adolescent. Majority of people were like, what do you mean? I don't want to look at my childhood because it was super bad or whatever else some people were granted with having really cool experiences and as an adolescent and their foundation from that has helped them have even better experiences that are not so negative compared to other people's. Um, and, it, and it's the cards that is dealt, it's the script that's been given to us, right? Like it's kind of that way and I don't want to get too fucking hippy dippish about it, but that's the truth, right? Like if you experience negative shit as an child growing up from the age of fucking eight to 16 or eight to 15 that's a foundation of who you are especially if innocence has been taken away um and you've you that time period is for us to really develop the self-reasoning self-worth who we really are developing our identity right and if that that is stolen from us our innocence is taken from us it's really hard to kind of find that as we get older right there's certain phases we go through and stages that we go through within our childhood and our adulthood that we must pass through to continue moving to the next phase and can you get to the next phase without going through some of those things yes but it ends up causing problems down the road which we see today right i would say that's true that i guess was my question so is there like a cheat code to get around things but you're telling me it's a false it's a false yeah, like if you, like for instance, like if you got your innocence taken from you in adult in, in an adolescent time period from the age of 8 to 15 or 16, meaning you weren't able to really understand who you were, right? Develop the identity who you were, or you weren't able to explore who you were. And not, again, explore, I mean like be creative. You're having the cognitive function developments happening during that time period. If you're not able to really 
kind of get into that realm, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, as you get into an adult, you start having a few things like role confusion, identity crisis, and a major ego. And I think everyone listening to this podcast can <laughs> relate to that in some shape, way, or form. Right? I mean, I've come from there. We all have an ego. It's just, I think, to which degree are you going to allow it to steer the ship? Yeah, right. We have a super identity, identity, and, and, and ego, right? And if we can learn how to manage them properly, we're able to go ahead and put us in a proper headspace that allows us to kind of navigate through life in a right way. And we were talking earlier because the podcast we have coming up in February or coming up at the end of on Friday, sorry, on Friday is geared towards, you know, women in terms of what we're going to be talking about. I don't want to spill the beans yet, but it brought me back to the idea of development for an adult. Well, so I have a question for you. You're obviously for your studies, taking a deep dive into the psychology aspect for, you know, sports psychology, but do you think, have you gotten to the point where maybe you know something about how this will affect someone in the realm of being a high performer? It, you know, like how do you connect those dots? It's, it's a good question. I actually had to learn that outside of what I'm doing um, because of the fact that when we look at sports psychology and rehabilitation, there's multiple different layers that we have to approach. And what comes with that is stress history, personality, and injury history. So whenever an individual comes to me and is like, hey, I'm having these problems or I'm having performance anxiety, it's like, okay, cool. What is your stress history like from the age of eight or when you started playing sports? What's that individual's personality like? Right. And then what's your injury history? Because from there I draw up this big picture. And I'm now to be able to like, okay, cool, this here, this here. I'm starting to connect things left and right and being like, okay, cool. Oh, well, this is happening because this happened here potentially. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all theory, right? That's all it is. But I can connect dots. And then from there it's like, okay, cool, this is how we're gonna approach it. You've never competed by yourself before on an individual basis. You don't know how to control yourself when it comes to that. You, you let yourself be emotionally driven. We need to go ahead and reset that to where you're not being emotionally driven at all. So basically everything that's happened to you that shaped who you are mentally and emotionally still plays a role in how you show up. Exactly. Yeah, well, that makes so much sense. And I obviously I feel like that's true in life. But it's really interesting to hear that when you're talking about sports psychology and high performers, that it's super important that you're doing the work in this other area, not just the gym or the kitchen. That's the funny thing, right? Because for the longest time, even still to this day, I think a lot of coaches in the fitness space um, talk a lot about the mind by itself or the body by itself. And we don't look at it as an interchangeable or interconnected approach, right? The biopsychosocial model, meaning we're taking the mind and body, and we can say spiritually, uh, the spiritual side of things and putting them all together and seeing these systems work together. And when we see these systems work together, we create forces that now promote development to who we are today. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark. Mm-hmm. is understanding that we do need force to create change. We, there needs to be some type of resistance or friction for us to really develop who we are. And again, depending on what that force is, we'll have an outcome of where you're at, right? And the way we break it down when we look at it is like we look at the biological side of things of an individual, hormones, genes, the type of food we eat. It's crazy, right, to think about that. Like, the environment, yeah. That the food we put in from when we were born to where we're now is a huge makeup of who we are. 
isn't that that's mind blowing? Mm-hmm. And you you can you know you talk about that probably, especially coming from that space and of being a registered dietitian and learning a little bit about that from your studies. And then we go ahead and look at it from a psychological standpoint, right? And, and what we talk about that is going to be talking about grouping of thoughts, emotions, you know, those behavior actions, all those things come into play as well. And then we go ahead and look at the, the social culture. What are our beliefs, our values? What are those things in the environment that we put ourselves in to create this thing, right? And that which leads to our life cycle or span, and again, this is all integrated together as this big fucking life circle that we're talking about. And it ends up becoming the foundations of the biopsychosocial model, literally. So why is it that we look at our fitness space as just a physicality of something? It's really just one. I like to think of health as a Rubik's Cube. And it's just one side when you're looking at this physical realm. There's all these other sides that are interacting and interconnected. And if you shift everything shifts. So I think that that's a really important thing to bring up is to have, be much more open-minded with the way we approach health. Exactly. And that's the problem today in the fitness space, right? And I think we're doing a really good job here at Softly to really tie and integrate all of those things together, right? Yes. Do we need to isolate something first to have a very very good understanding of it? But once we have a good understanding of it, then let's go ahead and integrate it into something we're doing now. Well, I think it's cool if you look back at the evolution of the company. When I came on, it was, it was training and you brought, you all brought me on because you realized that nutrition was a huge piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. So we're still working in that physical realm. So then it's cool to see this evolution of weight mindset, breathing, recovery, yoga, yoga team, mobility. So it's really cool to see the evolution of the company follow this, this path of our research and experience has led us this way. And that's the cool thing, right? Is like we're creating life experiences that are going to go ahead and relate to everyone else around us to promote this. I'm going to say this thing softly that everyone idolizes, right? And I'm glad we do. Well, I think that there's a reason so many people respect the brand. I always thought it was super goofy that people had uh, the business logo tattooed on them. I mean, I have it on my and head. I didn't get it. Well, at first, head. I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy. This is a cult following. <laughs> What's happening? But then obviously, as I've worked here and, uh, you know, like I drink the tea per se, I totally understand because it's so much more than, okay, I follow this training program. That's yeah. not really what it's about. Yeah. It's it's funny is because like, you know, you've been with the company since you pretty much started. I think a year after we started, you came on, right? Like you've been with the company four years now, I think. No, and, not that three not that half. long. I came in um I'd say two thousand like seventeen. So yeah, yeah well, I think it was just shifting from PDFs to all right, we gotta go big. And that's where the app started. Yeah. So yeah, three and a half years, three years. So I remember you coming in the back end of two thousand seventeen. Right before heading out to Colorado. Yep. I came on in like June 2017. Yeah. I had just sold Double Barrel um, and yep. came on full time as well, which is kind of crazy to kind of look back at that because like all of us were in very different headspaces. I mean, I almost, I could have potentially not be here today if it wasn't for changes I made and all those other things, right? And individuals helping me change. And that's one thing I've realized is like, man, a lot of people have given a lot to me and I've only taken, but it's also the other way around. A lot of people have also just taken while I've given how do you find that balance? And it's taken a fucking long time to figure it out, right? Like, it's like, I got to give more than I take. But protecting that energy on who I give it to 
is what I've been able to zero on better. Well, I think it's this idea of you can have something to give, mm-hmm. but you don't have to give it. Exactly. It's knowing, um, knowing your boundaries to like protect your energy. I, yeah. I don't really believe in that. It's, it's understanding and protecting your self-worth. And it goes back to the whole development aspect, right? Like if you're not taught how to protect or, or protect your self-worth, then what gets what happens? We end up putting it in front of for everybody to fucking take a, a jab at it. You know, I was uh, I I had this thought. I was on a run uh, last week, and I had this thought. I was like, imagine if everyone walked around of their raw self, no makeup, no highlights, no beards, nothing, and they Just walked like around authentic self, authentic self of the things they've been through in life, and all of it shows on your body. Imagine what it would look like. I'd be one scary motherfucker. How would you then look at me then? I think that that's <laughs> huge. Well, it's like this whole, that's why you can never make assumptions ever. You're doing yourself a disservice. And I found that, like how you mentioned you were frustrated with these customer service issues. I've found thanks to wonderful Patty. Um, she's taught me a lot about customer service. Um, nine times out of 10, something's going on with someone that they just want to be angry at someone. And it's much easier to do through a computer via email, someone being mean on social media, like that's safe for people to Mm -hmm. act out, which is not cool because you shouldn't let your negative energy like infiltrate like a virus other people's day where you could get worked up and upset about something. So I think that you got to keep that in mind is like how you show up and and what you're spreading. And I try not to get mad because I'm like, Oh, they must be having a really bad day. And the response has to be empathetic towards it. Yeah. Or yeah. Having being empathetic towards that because you don't know. And I think a lot of times what happens is, Social media, and I, I hate to say social media because I've kind of changed my mindset in social media. It's a very powerful place, and it can do really good things. It can things. be. And, you know, we'll throw out a shout to Dead Reckoning Collective right now. They're doing the handwriting prompt for 30 days. Oh, and I've seen people doing that. Dude, it's been crazy to see how many people come out of the woodworks just to write. And when I invited certain people to hear them say, I'm scared of writing. I don't, I, I don't know how to write, or writing is not a thing that I do, and you forget writing is such a development thing that we learned as a kid that gives you an insight to how that person's childhood probably was. Think about it, right? Like if you didn't learn how to read or write, it was because you were fucking told you suck at writing probably. So guess what you stopped doing at that age? You stopped fucking writing and you only did enough to pass. And some people didn't pass and didn't get a high school diploma, didn't go into college. I didn't learn how to read or write properly. And I'm still learning to this day until fucking 29 years old. By the way, you've done very well at that. Thank you. I it's, remember emails and communications in the beginning, which is hard when we work for a company where we have the freedom to be remote and travel and do things, is night and day. So you, I can tell you're making an effort. But the thing is, though, is why it's because I didn't do much of it in high, in college, or in high school or in middle school or in elementary because I always felt like I wasn't good at it and other people around me were. And, it just, and teachers told me that, hey, <laughs> your writing sucks, but I never knew how to make it better because it was never taught to me. Yeah. Doug and Corey and I were filming uh, some nutrition content recently and we were somehow got on the topic of like, what are weird things that you were told as a child that stuck with you? Like just silly, weird things that as a very, at a very young age, you still remember and have influenced the actions that you make 
Boom. And it was so weird to hear other people's perspectives of like, what? Really? Again, <laughs> it's a foundation. You carry these things with you into for sure. your adult development as well. Right? Like, um, there was a, I read a, I read a paper the other day and it was talking about what if, you know, what if we didn't go by a number for our age and we went for it, we went through ex- life experiences in how old you were in what you looked at. So kind of like an old soul versus, you know, that kind of a thing. No, more of like, uh, let's take a tribe for example. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to, th- I don't have a specific tribe in mind, but within certain tribes, age is not a thing. It is actually the elder is because of the life experiences he's he's been through to put them there to teach others. That is That's how you cool. know they're actually older. So think about that, right? Like, I got asked, like, how have you lived so much life in thirty one years? Like, I'm I've opened a lot of doors in my life that I'm like, wow, I fucking experienced that, 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 and that. I didn't realize that at all, right? And you're like, fuck, I guess I have. But then you look at someone who hasn't experienced as much and we look at how they do act and how they carry themselves. Again, right, we're, we're just the byproduct of our inner child. <laughs> That's honestly what it is. My buddy Trevor, I, I bought a new camera. If you've, I've been getting into photography, big on film photography right now, and I'm starting to get more into digital stuff and accepting that too. And I had just bought the camera on eBay for like 70 bucks and texted him. I was like, dude, fucking my little kid inside me is jumping up and down in the air. He's like, why, not, why don't you just do it in fucking real life? <laughs> It goes back to the aggression yeah. thing, right? It goes back to the aggression thing. Like, if you're angry, then let your fucking anger out in a positive way. Yeah, uh, I think a big lesson learning, like, um, what emotional health really is, is you shouldn't be numbing or avoiding. You should be feeling. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you need to come from an emotionally reactive place. That's not cool. You want to feel and and be in the moment and present with these emotions, but you shouldn't be emotionally reactive. And that's kind of, I think, again, going back down to the biological aspect, right? In nutrition and genes, right? Like if you're eating a super shitty diet, it's going to have a long-term effect on you. Not just physically, but in a psychological way. Yeah, well, what's interesting to me is this whole field of epigenetics. You're born with your genetics, Mm -hmm. but your environment, the habits, what you put in your body, the way you move your body changes your DNA. It makes these little alterations, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to make someone who's in the science field cringe, but for the sake of conversation, it's these little, yeah, it's just these little kind of alterations in the way you're your DNA is showing yeah. up in your body. And I think that it's really powerful and hopefully eye-opening that you can change these things in a positive way or a negative way. And food and exercise and even, you know, a lot of these mindset practices like meditation, everything makes a difference. It does. It's it's funny you 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 bring up that is because of the fact that the brain is very complex but very simplistic at the same time. And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that we can rewire and regroove the things that we've done to our brain. But it takes time and it does take work and it takes action through external sources by eating healthier, by providing physical effort, by partaking in creative type things, things that are going to open up the brain to create neurogenesis, right? Like if we can go ahead and regroove the brain, that's awesome. Because think about this way. Think about, I've been playing 
piano lately. I fucking love piano. And when I say play piano, like I'm just learning how to use my fingers in a in, in, in the dexterity aspect and moving across the keyboard and making my own music. Like right. it's just kind of what it is. Like it's music, fun. It's fun. You're music not Beethoven. Music. No, I mean, and but the thing is, though, is I'm using it as a creative outlet to go ahead and let myself go ahead and have different changes within my brain, so I can have better outcomes in other things I do, which I've seen it. So think of this. Think of this piano, and think about the way. You, let's go ahead and say you go ahead and eat a really high saturated fat diet for a very long time, right? Think about a certain key on that keyboard from eating that way is now glued down and it's consistently being fucking played. It's just stuck down and it's just that one note doesn't go away. It's the same kind of idea in our brain. What we have to do is unglue that by reversing and eating a healthier way or creating a different way we think so it helps it out. Again, neurogenesis helps all that we can, I'm not going to get deep into it just because it's not the field of <laughs> I'm in, but understanding that is kind of cool to be like, Oh, cool. Same thing with teaching someone how to move better. I just got to have to reset the brain so I can teach you to move better. I've no, I've watched you do this uh, with myself and with other people in person is you're like your movement pattern needs to be altered and it's going to take time and it's going to take practice. And so there, and there's drills and different things that you'll teach you know, I've watched you do for issue, but I think that that applies across everything. Uh You have to be consistent, whether it's your movement patterns, it's your nutrition, whatever it is you're trying to be consistent with changing some of the emotional and mental work that we've been talking about. Consistency, not perfection is going to what, what gets you there. And especially if you really are wanting to make lifelong changes so that like we've mentioned, not only do you have a longer lifespan, but you have a great quality of life for the majority of that lifespan. And I think that's the, the the key phrase there is going to be quality of life. And I think people take for granted quality of life. Um, They're like, Oh, I'm living till fucking 90 years old. And it's like, well, cool. That's not (laughs) quality of life. Like throughout that 90 years you're living, how much fucking pain were you in? Were you able to express yourself in a happy manner? Or did you hate life majority of that time? Because if you hated fucking life majority of the time, your quality of life is complete fucking shit. I do notice I love talking to like, you know, how some people just kind of glow. You're like, you've just lived a great life and you can see it in your face. Like your eyes are smiling. Like what is your secret? A lot of the times it's people who have continued to move, be mindful about what they eat and they have a great mindset and strong relationships. Yep. And I think that that's like the recipe for a beautiful life as we age. In, okay, and I like that. I like the fact you bring that up because that's another big part of like our development in our lifespan, right? Social support networks. And unfortunately, sometimes we overemphasize our social support networks, which end up causing problems for us because it's too much pressure. Yeah, well, it's like the whole, if we, we go back to this Rubik's Cube model, if you're hyper-focused and altering this one side, you're going to jack up all the other sides. Yeah. I mean, it can happen. We've seen a Rubik's Cube have, like, I don't think I've ever seen a Rubik's Cube have the right side with everything else it's very challenging it's very fucking near challenging. impossible yeah. and i think that that's that's the the journey of life you're never really going to reach this nirvana state it's like this constant learning how to balance when things shift in life a lot of it you can't some of it you can't control yeah it's funny you say that it's because like right now like you know in the past for the past two and a half three years i've been focusing on so much ultra endurance work and i have to get out and run i have to go do and do these things and now i've 
kind of changed the mindset is no, it's like, I don't have to do any of these things. It's kind of like I get to do them and I enjoy doing them because it now offers support in other areas of my life. And understanding that has really opened the doors to the quality of life increasing, right? Because your quality of life will decrease and increase throughout time period. And, and that is okay. But being able to recognize that is part of it. And it's, I think I said this on this podcast before, ever tell you the man in the whole story. I don't think so. I got taught this at the Band of Runners uh, trail camp. And if you guys are veterans or spouses or anything of veterans and have been through trauma or PTSD and have PTSD or anything else like that, Rob and uh, Lisa Howard or Rob V. Van, I can't say his last name, and Lisa Howard, they're doing a really cool thing called Band of Runners. And what they do is they do a four-day trail camp out in Texas and no service, nothing like that. And you go ahead and work through these things in a physical and a conversational way with others around you. And it's really cool. And what it's taught me when I went through that was that, hey, <laughs> running can be a powerful thing if I can use it the correct way. And that is what I do now is running and being out in the mountains isn't because I have to increase my fitness so I can look cool and climbing all these fucking things. No, it's like, no. Being outdoors and doing these things only enhances all the other sides of my Rubik's Cube. And we can even take it deeper in the Rubik's Cube. Enhancing that Rubik's Cube makes it bigger. Oh, I would I would definitely accept that argument. You know? So it, you know, when I think about all these things together, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, how do I approach this and how do I make this change and how do I how do I develop in this this awareness and understanding? And it's kind of a good question. Like I I don't think there's one answer to it. I think there's multiple different answers because of the multiple different variables in this multifaceted fucking <laughs> process of life that we see. So So I wanted so I've pulled it up because so when I did my masters, I didn't do nutrition specifically. Okay. I did health promotion. Which most of what I learned was about behavioral models oh, yeah. and behavior change, which was fascinating. It was a perfect fit for me because I love the psychology aspect. I love the different public health aspects. So I got this, this whole, this is what stuck with me. It's this guy, um, Eberst. Okay. And he's the one who kind of created this multidimensional model, which has since had all these other like ideas and adaptions. Cause I want to say this is from, this is from the eighties. But he proposed that there were these six dimensions of health. The physical, which we always talk yeah. about, emotional, yeah. mental, spiritual, social, and vocational, which is, would be like the work, cool. the work purpose. So I vocational guess. would be work. Yeah, vocational huh. is work. Cool. So that would be, um, which I really feel like still to this day, even though this, you know, he developed this model in the, the early 80s, I still feel like that is absolutely covering all the different bases. I in think my opinion. I 100% you hit it. You, I, I have to agree with you on that because of the fact that, like, again, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six parts. Again, we can even add that all to the biopsychosocial model. Yeah. Right? That's exactly kind of what it is there. That was the other thing that I feel like higher ed taught me is, and even when dealing with clients, no model perfectly fits. Like, there's no one. And what ends up actually happening is you pull pieces from all these different models of behavior change and health and theory, and you kind of combine them into your jumbled, like, through my lens, through my experience, yep. this is what I believe to be the truth. Yeah. So I nerd out over this stuff, but I, that has really stuck with me. So I wanted to share that because I think... Sure. The focus of what we do, you and I, 
is in the realm of the physical health. I love that we get to talk about the emotional and the mental sometimes. Um, And I think we've even, we've even done podcasts where we've talked more about like the spiritual side and work balance on the vocational side. So it's cool if we can tie it all together for someone. Yeah. You know, and, and the difference between, you know, that want and need of these things comes down to behavior, honestly, right? Like what is it, your behavior habits that you are doing to emphasize, to increase these six things, these factors that are going to help elevate your quality of life. If your behavior habits to physical effort or physical, the physicality aspect of it is shit, (laughs) that goes down. Well, also something I do think worth having a conversation about is if we think about life is we're we're juggling these glass balls and sometimes one of them might be really heavy because we can't help it. Like your yep. workload, for instance, might be it's a crazy time. So instead of continuing to try and juggle all this weight, it's okay to put a glass ball down. Uh, let's say, so that let me put down the physical training. Let me put down some of my social commitments so that I can continue to show up at what actually needs my attention right now. So I do think there's this give and take of how are these areas enhancing it, but also keeping in mind that sometimes there can be a negative pull and it's okay to put things down, get your bearings and then pick everything back up again and get back into a rhythm. I, I like that because put at the, also the opposite side of the spectrum is what if you don't have enough balls to juggle? So it's like, what if you haven't developed these areas enough? So you're lacking the support and it's creating a problem essentially. That, or you just don't know how to bring multiple balls into juggle because you don't know how to juggle three or five balls at a time and you only know how to juggle one. And that's, and I think in my opinion, that is okay. As long as you are self-aware and then wanting to like learn and let the other get better. Cause I really don't think you can show up and be on point a hundred percent as someone like if you're a high performing athlete, and this is probably what your profession is going to lead you to do. You cannot show up and be this high performing athlete in the physical realm. If you're ignoring all these other things that affect how you're showing up in the physical realm, Yeah, you know, taking it back to the whole systems things, when you're talking about breaking down movement and a lot of it comes down from, is this is majority of individuals nowadays live in this very high sympathetic state this fight or flight, which means that their prefrontal cortex is not active and the hippocampus and amygdala is actually the one that is taking over everything and that's what makes us have an emotional driven base. That causes problems over time. What happens is, is from research that I've read is the prefrontal cortex actually shrinks and the amygdala and hippocampus out become bigger. Well, we can fix that by creating a low stress environment for someone to understand how to now approach something in a logical way that they should be doing it. And I think that's the problem is we're so emotionally driven because we're in such a high sympathetic state as a human or as a species that it leads us to these negative aspects. And that's why I brought up the question when you said that, it's like, well, what if there's not enough balls to juggle? What if there's not enough pressure for someone to create change? Ah, okay. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. It's the idea of for growth and change, there needs to be some level of discomfort. I do agree with that. That's, and that's the question, right? Like, it's kind of like, well, most people are so sympathetic or such in a high stress of state that just handling one thing is their friction. But then you got some people who live a life of very comfort life handling one thing doesn't do a fucking thing for them. 
I see it I'm traveling yesterday. I saw it all around me, right? I saw it all around me. There was a, I was sitting down doing some schoolwork and eating breakfast before I jumped on my flight yesterday morning. And I, I'm, so the way I'm in pictures so everyone can see it is like I literally walk in and I view the, the restaurant. Where do I want to sit? Oh, cool. I'm going to go ahead and sit in the very back corner where I can see everyone come in and I can observe. I'm right underneath the TV. So my first instinct was, okay, cool. I need to make sure that I'm postures up properly, doing what I am. I'm not eating like an asshole and all those things because I have eyes on me and pretty, without a doubt. Like guaranteed sitting underneath the fucking TV, people <laughs> watching it doing and me doing work and eating. It took me 25, 30 minutes to eat my fucking chicken, egg, green pepper burrito with yogurt. Like Sounds it took delicious. Me, it was yummy. It took me 30 minutes to eat it because I was sitting there eating, doing work, being aware of what I was doing. TV started cutting out because of the fucking weather. Couple come in, another couple come in. Complete frat boys. <laughs> you can tell they're they're coming, they're flying to Rise. I'm pretty sure they're going to North Carolina, to Duke or whatever else, but completely frat boys and everything else. Sit down, automatically grab their phones and start looking on their phones. And then when they noticed the TV went out is when they started complaining that the TV was out, but they weren't paying attention to the TV. They were paying attention to their phone. No conversation, nothing at all. And it was like, wow, <laughs> we've been lost, we're so lost with connection that you realize that the TV went out while you were still on your phone scrolling through Instagram. It's like this strange need to be hyper stimulated by things that don't really matter. Exactly. It's a distraction. It's completely a distraction, right? And it was like, wow, when all you guys just missed out on a great experience of sharing stories with each other and communicating on a deeper level and learning each other to enhance your friendship. And I do think, um, not to like totally bag TV and Instagram, because I do like no, to yeah. take the time to do that. But I think it's important that there's a balance, again, like the common theme, that there's a balance of, am I act, like being honest with yourself about being present? That was one of the big things, I think, uh, like the realizations in the last year that I've kind of come to. I read a lot more. Um, I take, this happened when I took my unplugged trip. I went okay. on a solo unplugged trip to Puerto Rico, and that's really what kind of stimulated this whole taking breaks from all the apps for work, taking breaks from all the apps staying connected through social. I will turn my phone on Do Not Disturb and take breaks from all the people trying to reach out to me. Sorry, mom. So I do think it's good to be mindful of having that balance in this world where we are so, we, we have this appearance of being super connected, yep. but it's actually causing us to be more disconnected. Uh -huh. And I, and I love traveling. I really do because it gives you an insight to what society is like. And when you come from an, uh, an environment that allows for deep connection and genuine conversation, which I just was able to gain just recently in the past move, and I'm very grateful for the individuals that are in my life now for that, um, it's really made me more in tune with our society of how disconnected we are, right? Like people are fucking afraid to have conversations with a stranger, I have no problem sitting there and having a conversation with somebody. I also have no problem staying completely quiet and letting you fucking be awkward. I have no problem with it. I'm okay with stillness. I'm okay with quiet in my head. I'd rather have conversations with people because it makes them uncomfortable. <laughs> I swear, I, I'm, so <laughs> lately I'm all about fucking lighting fuses and just letting things go. 
and seeing what comes after shit has settled. But I feel like you don't do it in a mean, aggressive way. It's genuinely interested in something. Yeah, you're like, I'm genuinely interested, and I can, yeah, I get what you're saying. And it's and it's okay to conversate. You don't conversate about anything, you know. Like we're having a conversation right now. This was not planned. We literally no. have a conversation out now, just a minute ago, before coming in here recording. We started talking about development of adolescence, development of adulting, or of an adult development, and then the aging of adults and how we're seeing life expectancy increase from now until 2050, up to 83.7 million at the age of 65 and older. But the quality of life is not good. It's complete shit. There's a research being studied right now talking about loneliness. That's a huge predictor of uh, lifespan. Yeah. It seems like it, from what the research says. So that human connectedness is a huge piece of being fulfilled, I think, in life. No, it is. We need, we, we need isolation, but we also need integration. They're both not separate. They're together. We need solitude at certain times, but we need compassion also. And learning how to find those two on your own is the hard part. Well, I think that uh, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I think the reality that I've had to come to is I am not going to reach a point. This isn't like a checkpoint. It's not. I'm not going to reach a point where it's like, oh, I have all the answers. I'm totally healed. I'm perfect in every aspect of my health. That's not a thing. Yeah. It's the beauty of life and that this is all a journey and this is all going to change and it's continually learning and showing up as your best self. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I've... I've started really believing in quantum energy. Like energy, the energy you put out, you will receive. Right, the idea of energy and how it develops over time is going to lead you somewhere. And funny story, the reason the reason why I'm bringing this up, I had thought process when you said that was I was on a hike with Ben the other day and we ran into a moose. And I, when you're in that kind of situation, you start to understand what energy can do for you. So are aren't moose very big and dangerous and aggressive? They're oh, okay. really aggressive animals. And when I've never been close to one, so I it, don't really know. It was know. fucking mind blowing, right? Like, and automatically I went to thinking about energy and I was like, Ben, don't let your heart rate spike. Stay cool. Cool breeds cool. Had a mentor teach me that the other day. Fucking I like love that. It. Yeah. It's fucking dope. Um, and I never realized that was a thing, right? Until I was in that situation. And, and, I've been in situations like that before in gunfights in, in Afghanistan and employments and, and all those other things where it's like, cool, stay cool, stay cool. It's in a breed, cool. You kind of lose sight of it sometimes until you get put back in those situations. And the lesson I learned from that was like, oh, shit, okay, cool. Right away, this moose is 10 feet from us <laughs> in his backyard, in his land, on his mountain. I'm only visiting and the first thing I thought was, all right, let's go and just talk to this moose and tell the moose that I respect the land and that it's a beautiful creature that's been given to us. All we want to do is go and respect the mountain. And that's what we're doing. And I want to go touch that peak up there. And I told Ben, hey, dude, stay cool and collective, brother. Don't let your heart rate spike. It's in a sense it. Walked right by the, poo- the moose talking to it the whole time and got past it. And that was it. 
That's crazy. But that goes to tell you, though, right? Like, people are like, what the fuck kind of hippie shit is that? But it's like, <laughs> and we continue climbing. We ran into some more people, and they were like, yeah, we, uh, there's been different stories for people. And that moose actually charged at an individual and two individuals that were passing by because they didn't respect his area. Like, it, that's kind of the way it came down. And maybe just by luck, I got to pass by the moose and he allowed me to, whatever else. But at that time and moment, it was like, no, be in tune, be present, and really accept where I'm at in the environment that I am in so that I'm able to make a connection with this animal so that I can bypass it and continue doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. Right? Like it's, it's, it was a, it was a very eye opening thing for me at that time moment. I was like, holy fuck, that was a lesson right there. <laughs> and I feel, oh, there's a ladybug. Oh, nice. See? It's good luck. Don't kill it. She's just crawling around all over the, the podcast wires. Hmm. Put her outside. Yeah, we'll have to put her outside. I think that anyone who's an animal person would totally agree with everything you just said. That's not super hippie shit. Like even when you're working with like training a dog. Or yeah. working with horses. Horses are, are, I think, are like super intuitive to energy. A hundred percent. It's, it. There's. I've had a buddy tell me a story about some horses and how he had to like learn how to break them, and they did the opposite of what people talk about breaking them. They created friction and resistance with the horse in a healthy and a positive way, right? Like we don't have to beat the horse to break the horse be kind to the horse and they're going to respect respect you. Just as like once I put my ego down and I communicate you in a very positive way, guess what that does to you? It lowers your ego and your guard and then it's like, oh, cool. We can have a conversation here and do those things. So, I don't know. It's been a, it's been pretty cool to be able to experience, um, you know, understanding the, the degree that I'm going through right now and be able to kind of tie it to my life experiences through what I've experienced in trial and error and, you know, I'm glad I kind of waited to go to school. I mean, I didn't, I tried to go to school in the beginning when I got out of the military, and it just didn't work for me. I wasn't in the headspace. And as I've kind of just pro- progressed in, in my life and, and really worked on who I am, it's kind of made school fun. I enjoy yeah. doing it. I enjoy sitting down, reading, and, and everything else like that. And it's been a, it's been a fun fun journey and I'm really excited to see where it takes me down the road, you know, because it's again, just be able to sit here and have conversations about this on a performance podcast. That's not just fitness. Mm-hmm. We're not just pushing that right. Individuals listening to this, be like, Oh, that makes a lot of fucking sense. Cause you can carry this into the gym. You know, yeah. one thing I told someone the other day was like, Oh, someone posted it on the team room was like, Hey man, I want to say thanks. You know, I'm 40 years old and I f- fucking stronger, faster and healthier than I was at 20. And, and for a while, it's kind of one of those things when you program template programming, and you know how it is over time. It's like, am I really making a difference with this? Like, it's just, and what I realize that I do when I write programming is I put energy behind it. There's very much intent when I write it. The progressions I put in, there's a certain outcome I want, right? There's this, there's this start of a threshold, and here's the objective. And I got to promote... Uh, I need to promote resistance and force and friction so I can get to that objective. And I think when I do create the programming, when I write, I put a lot of energy behind it so that when people do read it and actually believe in the programming and value the programming and have positive intent, they see the value out of it. Absolutely. I think um, it's it's really, really powerful to hear how it affects people's lives. It's crazy. And we all truly 
love and believe in what we do. So I do think that that makes an absolute difference. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is, right? Like it's, it's where it's at. So, but I guess till next time, guys, this was a little bit more mellow podcast for us instead of trying to get super crazy. I think it's just the vibe of Monday. Well, I love that. I feel like we have great coffee convos. And so now we're just like bringing our thoughts to the podcast pretty much. I think it's good to check in though. Um, on, on these things and not just always be talking about fitness, fitness research and nutrition fads and all that. And it's funny. Cause like, you're like, Hey, we'll talk about programming updates. And I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> you know, when dad made me do these massive program pushes in the beginning of 2019, it was one of those things like, fuck my head hurts. But he believed in me to be able to do that at that time period. And now I see the groundwork we laid to where I get to experiment and take my time with developing programs. And it only keeps it healthier. It opens the doors for me to do other things, right? right. Help back end of the app and do those things. I'm able to be creative in other ways. I'm able to go ahead and help in other aspects. Same thing with you. We see it now, right? We're like, okay, yeah. there's not such a rush on programming or there's not such a rush on nutrition uh you know, food, uh, what is, it? I'm sorry, recipes all yeah. the time, right? You're like, now I'm like, cool, I get it. I, I have the certain days that I know I have to sit down and put time in, but it's no longer this pressure that's like, I have to do this because if we don't, we're fucked. And whatever else, no, you're right. We have enough content now, right? That enough quantity develops quality. Yep. I would agree with that. Art. I hope everyone listening, like got something from this and kept an open mind like it, we went to the depths of the Brooke and George brains of like how, <laughs> how we view health in a much more multifaceted way than just yeah. fitness and nutrition. Yeah. And something, I mean, I, I don't talk much about it because I feel like a lot of people were kind of like, well, I'm not there yet or whatever else. But I mean, it's, it's my, it's, it's my thoughts. And I honestly, it's one of those things where I'm at that point to today and it's going to change tomorrow, whatever else or down the road that, Hey, like I, I do have some things to say and share, but timing matters. Absolutely. And that timing for some of this stuff was today. Right. Yeah. I sat down and wrote a fucking fifteen page essay yesterday on adult aging development and the problems to that and everything else like that. And it was like I have all this in my head right now. Let's go and talk a little bit about it. But at the same time, those just the prior experiences and the changes that have happened and same thing with you. Like we just have different energies that we bring now and it's really cool to see it. You know, and people who listen to us for a long time has probably noticed it. They're like, Well, these guys have fucking evolved, they're growing up. Right. But to let you guys know, my biological age is still fifteen years old. <laughs> 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 which uh, I found out last week. So that's funny. That's fucking cool. And and it's, but it's cool though, right? Like you guys, if you guys want to go find out what your biological age is, go to like type in biological age uh, test and you can find them online. If you want to have me send you one, hit me up at George at softly.com and I can send it to you and answer the questions. And it's fucking eye opening. It does give you a look into how your quality of life is at the time moment. I'm 31 years old with a 15 year old fucking biological age. Like, if you had asked me to do that a year ago or two years ago, it probably wouldn't have been there. It would have been a lot higher, which shows that we can change our quality of life throughout the phases that we live in. I totally agree with that. So. As always, please don't hesitate to reach out if anyone listening has questions or we said something that maybe sparked something. Um, let us know. We're always here to help in any way we can, and we can always be reached directly. I'm Brooke at softfleet.com, Brooke with an E at the end, and we've got George at softfleet.com. We're talk to you later, guys. Bye.